Hebrews chapter number 12. I'm going to start reading in verse number 1, read down through verse number 4, and we'll, uh, we'll pray and we'll, we'll preach a little bit. You pray for us tonight. The Bible says this, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you tonight. I appreciate, Lord, the good spirit in the place. and Lord, I appreciate your presence. Lord, I, I know it's just good when you come by, and I appreciate that so much. And I pray, Lord, that you give me some unction to preach. I need power tonight. I need you to touch us, Lord. I pray you help me to effectively communicate the word of God. I pray that our hearts, Lord, and our our minds, Lord, supernaturally help us to be open to truth tonight. And I pray there'll be some right decisions made tonight. Lord, help us, Lord. I, I believe, Lord, you send messages here, Lord, and we're going to respond some way. I pray tonight, Lord, there'll be right responses. Help us, we pray. We need you. Lord, if there's one lost in this place, never been saved tonight, God, I pray they get born again, Lord, that they trust you. Oh, God, that they'd trust you for salvation. Help us, we pray. We thank you and we praise you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week I came out of this same passage and we went backwards. Well, tonight we're going to go forwards if that's all right. But uh, Hebrews chapter number 12, the thought in verse number 1 is, is about running the race. And, and, and once you get saved, you're in the race and you are running. And I'm glad that God cares enough about us to... Help us run a race that pleases him. And may I say that's what our lives are about. Whether, whether you're saved or not, the whole purpose of man is to please God. That's the, uh, that's the purpose in life. You don't have to go uh, search the world over to find it. You don't have to go on the internet and Google it. You can find it right in the pages of Scripture. We are to please God. That's why we were created. It's Revelation chapter number 4. But, but as we come to Hebrews chapter number 12, uh, it provides us some help to running the race that is set before us and we looked at it last Sunday night that uh, looking back to those who have ran before us in faith and I'm glad that there's some witnesses to us there's some ones that's went on before us I, I think about those and you can probably think about the ones that used to sit within the pews and I think about Miss Meeks that would walk up that aisle a little bit aren't you glad for the life of those that lived uh, pillars of faith that lived and, and, and it carried on for us to give us an example that we can trust the Lord. And, and we see our present instructions are to lay aside the weights which are the things. Uh, listen to me about weights. There's a difference in weights and sin. The, these weights, they're not necessarily sinful in themselves or bad in themselves, but they're bad for us. I mean, you talk about runners. You watch the Olympics. It's coming up this year. They, they I mean... 
they, they do but so much technology in just the fabric that they wear. Every tiny little detail on them, they're trying to, they're not talking about seconds, they're talking about milliseconds and however, I don't know, however go down. I'm talking about how minute they're looking to shave off there. And may I say, there may be things in our lives that are not bad, but they're hindering our walk for the Lord. And what the Bible says is, listen, we need to get rid of them. We need to lay them aside and keep running on. That means to let them go and keep passing on. And then he talks about the sinful things. And may I say sin is a hindrance to the child of God. It'll affect the way that you run. And and we are to lay aside that sin that does so easily beset us. I want you to know we face a great hindrance due to our flesh. Now, sin that may be appealing to one person may not be appealing to the other, but can I say something to you? None of us escape the sin so doth easily beset us. There's something that hinders you, something in your old nature, in your old man that continues to deal with. And I mean, we're living in a society that encourages it, that promotes it. And may I say, though, God wants us to realize that sin is a serious hindrance to running the race that is set before us. But as we see, then we are pointed again to look somewhere else. Before we looked at the saints, but now we're going to look at the Savior. God wants us to see something in Jesus, and we are to look unto Jesus. That was the theme of church camp here a while back. And may I say, he is our chief example. Uh, He's the one that we are to walk after. We can follow in his steps and and we are to look at his life and we can find that looking into his life and the things that he faced can help us run the race and what we're going through in our lives today. Now, I mean, there's things we're going to go through physically and and circumstances, but the primary theme in this book, when you're talking about this, this is things that are involved in the spiritual spiritual life. These Hebrews were coming out of Judaism. They were facing all kinds of backlash from their own people. And Paul, writing here, he wanted them to be able to run with all that they had. And may I say, we got to be able to run through persecution. We got to be able to run through the perilous times that we're in. And this is a help to us. There's a great help in just looking. You know, we learn a lot of things by looking at other people. Sometimes we learn things we ought not be doing. There's times you can find that you shouldn't follow after somebody by watching them. There's other things we can find we can learn from them, and that's what he's applying here, looking back to those and how their faith in the Lord and how God used them and helped them run. But now we're looking at the Savior who we can trust in and look to to help us run our race. Now, these scriptures here, they show some aspect or events or circumstances in Christ's life, which notice we are to consider, which is an aid to our running. Now, I want you to grasp that word consider in verse number three. May I say, I don't think this is something when it says consider, I don't think that this is a one time we just look to this and we're good. I think it's a continual thing we must give our minds to. Because we're continually running till we hit the finish line. But that word consider, it means to fix the mind on with a careful view of examination. To think on with care, to ponder, to study, to meditate. And I I want you to grasp when you think about those things, examination. I'm not a doctor, but I, I, I cannot stand going to the dermatologist. I think it's one of the most uncomfortable appointments I go to. Because literally they just look you all over. I mean, 
with a little thing, measuring, looking, I mean, doing all the, under the lights, they shine all these things in there, but they're, they're, they're looking and, and they're giving a careful examination is what they're doing of your skin. That's what a dermatologist does. But, but I was thinking about this is that's the way that our minds and our hearts need to be when we're looking at Jesus Christ. And here's what, here's what we face today. Here's the problem you and I face today. The greatest tool that the devil has in his bag today is distraction. Everything is coming for our attention. And more than any time that's ever been on the face of this planet are there more avenues in which something can grab your attention. I don't know if before the flood, if they had McDonald's signs up down the interstate and the highways. I don't know if they had billboards. I don't know that they had those things. I know they didn't have the internet, but you think about it. You can't drive, a t- you can't drive from here down to Taze Valley without seeing 15 to 20 different advertisements. They're trying to get your attention. You can't, listen to me, you can't even get on your phone. You get on, the ads on everything. Everything has ads on it. They're trying to get your attention. I'm talking about you listen to some sort of on the radio, there'll be ads on the radio. You watch the TV, you might watch a 30-minute show that's nine minutes long and 21 minutes of commercials. What I'm trying to get you to see is we're living in a day where they're trying to fill our minds, and the devil wants them to. You say, why is that? Because if we're minds are filled, listen to me, we're in a time where there's more information than one person can handle. There is no reason whatsoever that we have as many national news uh, outlets that we do. There's not enough news to fill that up. We don't even need that many local newscasts. I mean, you know, some days there'll be a tree down somewhere that'll make a news somewhere. I'll start calling in every time I cut one down at the farm, let them know. I'm talking about we're living in information overload, trying to fill our minds with information. But not only that, we're living in a time where there's an amusement overload. You know what amusement? Information is trying to, to get something in there. Amusements is trying to get everything out to a degree where you're not having to think. That's why you go to, to that's why you say amusement park. You go there not to think, you just go there to enjoy. May I say that, that, that our minds are faced with distractions all the time. I'm telling you, the, uh, literally, listen to me, literally at our fingertips. Now, I ain't got mine in here, it's in the car. But literally at your fingertips, you could just spend the rest of your life on your phone on the internet and never run out of information or amusement. Here's what I want you to grasp. We're facing something, this tool of distraction. But I want you to notice what the Scripture says. You and I, if we're going to run this race patiently and we're going to run with all that we got, we're going to have to, through the power of God, defeat this distraction and give our minds over to the Word of God. Meditation, when you're talking about it, I'm not talking about, we're in a world, meditation's a dangerous world today. They want you to clear your mind and clear your thoughts. That's not scriptural meditation. Scriptural meditation is putting the Word of God in your mind. 
Listen, if you empty your mind out, the devil will have plenty of room to fill it up with other things. That's all kinds of cultic, mystic religion out there. But I'm going to say, you know what he's talking about? He's saying consider. He's saying fill your mind. Look at these things right here in Christ's life. When we're talking about running, talking about pleasing God, talking about serving God, he said get your mind on Jesus and you'll find some help to keep you going. And I want to look at that a little bit tonight. A key to running the race with patience is getting our minds free to consider Jesus. That's going to be tough, but it's something you're going to have to do. I mean, they didn't, in 2,000 years, they didn't have TVs, they didn't have cell phones, they didn't have radios. I don't know what means of communications that they had, but we have it at our fingertips. And for all the blessings that it brings, it brings a lot of avenues that multiply the trouble that we have, Okay. I mean, you can be, listen, go start praying there, set yourself out to pray, and you, listen, your phone will go off. It'll be an ad, it'll be a political season. Somebody got your phone number, you don't even know who it is, once you vote for somebody. That's of the devil, by the way, if it's interrupting your prayer life. But we're going to have to get our, I can't, and this is a real struggle, I think, for all of us. I don't know about you all, but I think the reality, Tom, I need 24 more hours every single day. To get what I think needs done. I mean, I got a list of things. I'll never get everything done I think needs to be done. And when I actually get time to do it, I'm wore out enough that I don't want to do it. Right? But can I say a key to running effectively in this Christian walk is, is having our minds given over to the Word of God. To have time set apart in our daily lives, that may, you know what that may do? That may make us lay aside some things. That's what he's talking about here. There may be some things we're going to have to let go of because we're going to have to get our minds on Jesus. If we're going to be more serious, and may I say, there ain't anything more important in our lives than our walk with the Lord, so, so there's no reason to hang on to them, but we may have to cut aside some things so that we can give our mind to them. But we got to consider him. Here's some, here's some helps to your running tonight. Notice this. Considering the, for the joy that's set before him. I want you all to think about this for a second. I believe we can consider two things here. And, and commentators have different things on here, but I believe you can apply both. But here's the first thing. Jesus gave up the joy of heaven to go to Calvary for us. I believe it's over, and it's either 1st or 2nd Corinthians, and it says, though he was rich, yet he became poor for our sakes. Uh, you can find it in there. And, 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 and may I say, when we look at this right here, we're supposed to be looking at Jesus, giving our mind to Jesus, and we see that it says, for the hope that was set before him. Well, if that means that he gave up heaven to come down here and the joys of heaven to go to Calvary for us, hey, listen, you and I ought to be thankful, and that ought to make us want to run. Hey, because of what he gave up to be in our stead, hey, the joy and what he, in a sense, is everything costs something. I don't remember much about college, thank God. But this one thing I learned in economics, it's called, uh, there's no such thing as a free lunch. And here's what it means. Now, I had a free lunch today my dad bought. I said, praise God for that. But listen to me. It was free to me, and I enjoyed it. And it was fresh fried chicken. I say, praise God for it. But listen to me. It wasn't free. Everything costs something. And when I'm talking about looking at this scripture, listen, he, when it's talking about the joy that was set before him, if that means, and I don't think that's the primary application here, but if it does mean that, we got to think about this. Look at what he gave up to save us, how we ought to run for him. 
That ought to move us to run. But not only in a similar application this, notice this. I believe this is the primary application, Tom. But listen, we can see this, that Jesus, he faced Calvary by looking at the joy that was going to come beyond it. And the reason I believe that is, you'll find that similar phrase in, used in Hebrews chapter number 6, regards of hope, when it says, the hope set before him, and it pictures the things that's on ahead. And may I say, listen, Jesus came and was born, and he died on the cross, and you know what? he was looking at when he was going through Calvary he was looking at every single one that would be born again that was bought by the blood of the lamb and the joy that will be there forever in his presence forever and forever I believe listen friend we ought to look at the joy of what awaits us at the finish line hey the best is yet to come I'm talking about friends listen to me hey this is the worst we'll ever have it hey, I'm talking about there's things unknown we're going to be completely satisfied completely happy it's going to be a time we'll never, ever have experienced down here. I'm talking about for the hope that is set before us, for the joy that's ahead. We ought to run this race today. For the joy that was set before him. We can look at the joy of the finish line to help us run. But notice the next phrase. He endured the cross. I think about this for a second. Isaiah 52, 14 says this about, you know what I've learned, Tom, and I know this, but every time I keep coming back here, you can't, you can't get away from Calvary. The Bible is tied to Calvary. Everything's tied to the greatest work that's ever taken place. And I'm talking about, I, you get saved, listen to me, we live by Calvary. We, we don't get away from it. I, I, we grow, but we don't get away from it. But think about this. It said he endured the cross. Isaiah 52, 14 says this. As many were astonished at thee, his visage was so marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. You say, what does that mean, preacher? And here's what it means. The Bible testifies that Jesus took such a physical beating at the hands of the Romans that he no longer looked like a human being. That's what that verse says. It, when it says that his form more than the sons of man, it's talking about literally he didn't even look like a person anymore. Let's look at that for a second. They plucked his beard. Now, I never had that happen to me. I can't grow a beard, but I'd envision there's a few men in here. If we pulled one of them out, it'd be pretty difficult and it would hurt. They did it. We don't know how many times they did it. Put a crown of thorn on his head. And these weren't these little thorns we got in the briar patches around here. These were great big. Some of them was inch long. Pushed it down. They, they didn't make it to fit him. It was probably, probably four or five sizes too small. Squeezed that down on the crown of his head. That all them thorns went into his head. Beaten to where he didn't even look like a man anymore. Can I say something to you? If he wasn't God, he'd have never made it to Calvary to start with. That's my belief. And he's the strongest man that ever lived. I don't care what world's strongest man competition. He's the strongest man to ever live. But they beat him where he didn't even look like a man. And they wrapped that robe around him and they mocked him. And they'd let it get on there enough to where that blood would dry in that robe. And then they'd rip it off like you'd rip off a scab all over his body. Think about this. They slapped the very face of God. Multiple times, they slapped God right in the face. 
I want you to think about this for a second. We've got to give our mind to these things. That's what it's telling us. He endured these things for you and I. Then, on the cross, God rolled the curtain down. The skies became black. And something happened between God and His Son and the Holy Ghost that you and I, I, He suffered the punishment and the penalty of hell for every single person. We can't grasp that. He didn't say anything else through all the things that He went through on the physical side, but He didn't mention one thing and He said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? We have no idea in that moment what Jesus was experiencing when He became sin for us. Think about this. It's what God's telling us to consider this. He went through all that for my sin and for your sin. And here's what I want to tell you. That's reason to run. That's reason to to lay aside the weights. That's reason to lay aside the sin. Right there when we think about the cross. Listen, you know what? Oftentimes we get in a place we need revivals because we've got a little bit too far away from Calvary. This church doesn't go far from the gospel. Can I say that to you? We preach a gospel message here about every single week. It's aimed at salvation. And even when it ain't, the gospel's presented in its form. But I want you to grasp this. I thought about this Saturday night. I said this. There's times, listen, we ought not go too far away from the gospel, but we ought not let the gospel get too far away from us. That's what happened to church there at Ephesus in Revelation chapter number 2. They lost their first love. They got a little bit away from what Christ done for them. When we're running, listen to me, running ain't easy. It's not easy. But there's a reason to run. There's a reason to lay aside the sin. Consider him. Consider that he endured the cross. That was for you. What a personal motivation. What he did for us. That's what he's saying right here. Reason to run. Notice this. Despising the shame. Now that, that, that a lot of the things we think about on the cross, we think of the physical things and they're, they're just, they're unreal. The, how, what he went through. But then think about despising the shame. What about the internal things that he felt on our behalf? He endured the shame of the cross. Think about this for a second. He was treated as a criminal. Though he had, it's not even that he was a good man. I'm talking about he had never sinned. He was a perfect man. He was uh, brought accusations against him falsely. They had to, they had to bind some liars together just enough to make a lie to even get somewhere close to accusing him of something. And he didn't blaspheme because he was God. And he did raise the temple up in three days. He was talking about his body the whole time. But think about this. Think about the shame of being treated as a criminal when you weren't one. Think about people falsely accusing you. And may I say something to you? If we run this race, we're going to run into this stuff. We're already, we're already, right now in the nation we're living in, there's a voice of some out there that says we're the problem. I'm not talking, well listen, we're far beyond conservative, we're Christians. There's a difference in that. I'm talking about they're saying we're the problem because we hold a line that it's one man and one woman. We hold a line that there's just two genders. We, we hold a line on truth. And you know what? They, 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 we've become the enemy in a nation that was founded upon this truth. He was rejected of his own. Now, there's some of these things you've probably felt in your life for something. Nobody likes rejection. There's nothing about rejection that is... 
I mean, think about it. You know, you think about all these, these kids that want to ask somebody out or something like that, and they're scared to do it. Why? Because they're scared someone's going to say no. He was rejected of his own. Think about the shame in that. What he felt. Stay with me. They mocked him. They railed against him. They're still doing it on Facebook today. He ain't here. He's on the throne. They still mock him. He's on the cross, dying for their sin. And they're saying, well, if you're God, come on down. Think about that. Now, here's what I want you to grasp. All of that shame, and I didn't touch the scratch the surface of what he experienced, was shame for my sin and was shame for your sin. He endured, and I think about that, and I just, I was in my study, and I said, Lord, forgive me, God, for being ashamed at times where I should have been bolder and I should have spoke up, should have said something. We've all done that, but I thought, God, have mercy on me that he's on the cross, beaten and battered for my sin. He was shamed. You realize that this was, that the, the, the crucifixion was not only the worst punishment, but it put people in a category. Like when we think about a death row inmate, I mean, we think about the shame. If somebody uh, steals something, listen, they're, they're a sinner, they've done something wrong, but I think about we put labels and the shame that goes on somebody, these mass murders or things that's on death row. Well, that's the kind of, of, of thing that he faced. That's the kind of perception he had. He got the worst possible punishment that man could dole out. And they looked at him, and people walked by, and they, when you was on a cross, listen, you had done something to get there. That was for my sin, Greg Carney. That was for my sin, Jerry Stover. That was for things I've done, Jesse, the things that I've said. Listen to me. When we consider that he despised the shame, that ought to make us want to run. Oh, that ought to make us want to be bold for him. He endured such contradiction of sinners. It seems like at times in life we run into one problem after another. And if we're real honest, I don't know about you all, but it comes to a line. There's a certain point I got to be real careful where my patience run out. Have you ever thought about all the time, except the times that we know that he was either with his disciples or by himself, constantly? Jesus! There's a constant cry of someone calling him. A constant clinging of trying to touch him. They thronged him everywhere. I mean, didn't it, you're talking about wanting personal space? Now, stay with me. And he wanted to help these people, but stay on. But in the midst of all of those people that wanting help and wanted something from the Lord, in the midst of that, there was a group of people every single place that he went that set out to get in his way and to hinder him. They sought and said, well, you know what? We'll ask him this, and we'll get in his way. We'll ask him this, and he'll have to answer. And I, it's amazing if you look at all the questions that only God could answer the God, uh, could answer those questions the way that he did so perfectly. But I think about this for a second, 24 Seven. Anytime that he was out, everywhere he went, in a place he went to help people, he found that even in his own country, among his own, they said, is this not the carpenter's son? That's his own people. They're in Galilee. Is this not Joseph's son? Is this not the carpenter's son? That's what they say. Think about it. 
the scribes and the Pharisees sought every day to catch him. They didn't, but they did try to do that every day. They opposed him on all the things. They said false things about him. Can I say something to you? We're going to have to run against opposition. I'm sure you felt it. It's not a new thing. But when you start standing for the Lord and being bold, you're going to have opposition. You're going to have people make fun of you on Facebook. You'll have made people make, make fun of you when you walk out. I've had people make fun of me. No, listen, I mean, listen, let's be real honest. We got to get over that a little bit. It does hurt. I'm not saying that it don't hurt. But I'm saying he went through all the time. He was always going against, because the world's full of men with, a, with an atom nature that's in rebellion against God. Even the religious folks. Think about that. We're going to have to run against opposition. He did it. You and I can do it. Think we got to consider this. We're, we're, we're already in, listen, we're already like salmon. We're living in perilous times. We're living in a time where there, there's a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. Not everything out there that names Jesus Christ is saved. Go to Matthew chapter number 7. Many, many will cry, Lord, Lord, and said, did we not do this work? And did we not do this work? And Jesus said, I don't even know who you are. Not everything out there. We're going to be, because we stay old-fashioned and we preach out of the King James, we're old fogey dinosaurs. We need to catch up with the times because there's newer Bibles. We still sing the old hymns of the faith. We need to get up and get caught on the times so we can get the next generation in. I'm not trying to get the next generation in church. I'm trying to get them in heaven. Big difference. And we're not trying to please people. We're trying to please God. We don't need to change on these things. And listen, we're going to run into contradictions. I mean, I'm sure that there's church, there's people around here that said, I wouldn't go to that Roxalana church. They're using an old Bible. They, they still have a choir. Hallelujah. Sing another one. The preachers are dinosaurs. They still spit. If you sit on the front row, I, there, I, I don't even have to say sorry to you. If I, can't, I can't control that. Sit on the second row. What I'm trying to grasp and tell you is something. You're going to run into contradiction. You're going to run into people that oppose your faith. And they oppose you. They may like everything else about you, but they'll oppose you because you believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they'll try to do things. You know what they'll do? They'll try to get other people to get against you. That's what they did. Look in the Gospels. Hey, they got big. They even got the Sadducees. You, isn't this amazing? They had the Pharisees, and then they had the Sadducees. And Jesus oftentimes split them up in this. They come together to oppose him, and Jesus said, would talk about the resurrection. And the Sadducees said, now hold on a second. He, they, I'm talking about the opposition was so strong it brought together two groups that didn't even identify together. They didn't have the same beliefs. We're living in that kind of political environment today. And listen, we're the enemy of this thing. But we got to keep running. Hey, listen, child of God, keep running. Don't stop running. We got to keep running. 
Let us run the race that is set before us. Let us run it with patience. And listen, we're going to have to lay aside some things. And notice this. He endured such contradiction of sinners, the people that opposed him. And, and then we see this last one says, resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Now, I don't believe that this is saying that we're to resist. There's people that die for their faith. Host of them. Even in the book of Hebrews, as we're speaking as, right out of here, there were people that died for their faith back then because they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. What I believe he's trying to say here in resisting unto blood and striving against sin, the best way I can understand this passage is that you and I are to resist sin and to resist fainting. Notice what he says in verse number uh, 3. He said, lest ye be weary and faint in your minds. Isn't it amazing? He tells us to consider him and to give our minds to him. And if we don't, we see the problem is we can become weary and faint. Now, fainting pictures two things. It means to quit altogether. Or, I think it more even shows us this, the stop and go. Kind of like when you got a new driver. You, I've been there, y'all been there. But when you first start driving, you hit that pedal and you... Well, that's funny. But there's a lot of believers running that way. Starting and stopping. Starting and stopping. Why? Because our minds get wearied. Because we need to consider Him. Everything in, this th everything in this Christian walk revolves around Jesus Christ. We have to keep our eyes on Him. This does not promise that you'll run without opposition. This does not promise that you'll run without persecution. This does not promise that, that you'll run without problems. You may have to run with physical uh, uh, problems. You may have to, to run with all kinds of things. But here's what I want to say. What this does tell us is that we can run and we should. And for that, that word striving, it means making efforts. Bev, you can go ahead and come. I'm closing this up. It means making efforts or exertion. And here's what we ought to do. We need to make efforts in our lives to keep from sinning, which is the greatest hindrance to our run. We need to look to the Lord, who's the author and the finisher of our faith. Notice this, that word finisher of our faith, that means perfecter, the completer of our faith. And if we go back to the last chapter, all those people that died in faith and lived in faith, they were looking to the same one. And because they looked to him, if we look to him, he'll help us do what he's done in their lives. We may not do the same things, but we do the, the whole ultimate goal is to please God. But we got to look at Jesus. This seems like a, a simple thing, but I think it's a difficult thing in the hour. A hundred years ago, they didn't have all the things that we had. I still think a hundred years ago is a safe, that's a safe age to say we didn't have TV I don't even know if they had radio in 100 years ago. If y'all historians know, you can let me know. But what I'm saying is I know they didn't have cell phones. I know they didn't have TVs. There was a lot less for people to give their mind to in that way. And may I say, people were still lost and things like that, but the church at that time was in some ways a lot more holier, running a lot, running a lot way. And may I say, we're, as we continue to go on, we're going to be, you are bombarded by things in your mind. But if our desire in our heart is to run the best race we can for him, we're going to have to give our minds over to him 
regularly. Now listen, I'm encouraging you. You need to come to church every time the doors are open. Sunday morning. And let me say something to you. If you don't come to Sunday school, you need to start. Start coming to Sunday school. You can get mad at them if you want to, but it'll help you. You can thank me later. Come to Sunday school. That extra little bit of sleep ain't going ain't to help you as much as hearing the Word of God being taught. Sunday night. Wednesday night. Listen to me. That cannot be the only time that we give our minds over to the Word of God and looking unto Jesus. We have to build in our lives, devotional lives. And, and you can look at people and pattern. There's a lot of great helps out there, but let me say something to you. What you need to do is just start tonight. If you're not doing that, get something in motion. Get going with the chapter a day. Get going with something to get your mind set aside. If it's five minutes, set, set aside five minutes. Start there. There's got to be a starting place. But if we're going to run this race, and we can, can I, I want to encourage you. I don't want this message to discourage you. We can run this race. That's what Hebrews is telling us. He says you can run all the way to the finish line. We can, and we should. And I wanted our hearts to say that we will. That's what we got to have in there, that desire. Let's bow our heads tonight.